Hello and welcome to Eating Between the Lines. I am your host, Therese Martinez, and I am so happy to have you here. If you want to untangle yourself from diet culture conditioning and get appropriate, actionable options to nourish your unique life and body, I'm going to dive deep into the nuanced spectrum of health to help you figure out what to prioritize in your journey without getting trapped in the extreme ideology of health optimization or total complacency. I am here to help you apply the science effectively, not rigidly, and get you feeling better in your body and mind. Here is how to eat between the lines. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Eating Between the Lines. Happy 2024, y'all. I am pretty excited for this year. I'm not really someone that does a whole lot of like New Year's resolutions and a lot of goal setting, but I definitely have some things on my radar and I, yeah, I'm just kind of looking forward to getting into it this year. I wanted to start the podcast season off this year with talking about really what eating between the lines is all about. I recognized I haven't totally dove into this concept and since starting this podcast, and I think that this is a really great way to honestly kick off 2024 because it is a framework. My other intentions for this podcast this year is diving into a lot of nutrition education. I spent a lot of last year doing a lot more interviews and, you know, personal podcasts with more conceptual considerations around nutrition and health. And while that is absolutely a major part of this podcast, I am kind of excited to get a little bit more into some of the nutrition recommendations and uh, application and tangible action items to give y'all. Because, I mean, we can think our way through only so much, right? But those action items are really what will create a bigger difference um, in addition to actually understanding the the conceptual side of things too. So with that said, this is another conceptual episode, but it does dig into some big considerations that I have not touched on yet. And so to back it up a little bit, I created this podcast to help people understand the nuance to health, right? The many layers beyond just nutrition. And today I want to break down really the importance of doing that going into 2024. So we're going to talk a lot about influences to behavior today regarding dietary intake. And I want to just shed light on why this is important. So we get a lot of pressure from society, media, to not only look a certain way, but to be in a certain state of health too. Think diet and wellness culture. Think fear-mongering, shaming, and guilting people into behavioral changes. The cycle that these influences put people through is so frustrating to watch and what I experienced for over a decade of my life. And my hope is that calling them out and providing a new vision will help create clarity and action for a healthier body and mind for y'all. 
this is layered and, you know, not necessarily something a person can just tackle in one podcast, but I hope that it kind of gives you some things to think about and reflect on for your own self because this is, this is big. This is big for every single person out there. Okay. I think it's common also to see a backlash against diet and wellness culture And, you know, like, I think I see this all the time, but I'm also in this world. So maybe that's just me, but I see this, this back and forth, right? So folks that kind of bash diet and wellness culture, then folks that kind of think that people that are anti, you know, diet, anti wellness are people that are just complacent with people living in unhealthy bodies or, or having unhealthy behavior, right? It's almost like giving up on health for the sake of body positivity or something. And this is just uh, missing so much of the point. I could talk on a lot of podcasts about this, but this is missing so much of the point and not what folks like myself are trying to do and preach and, you know, talk about any dietitian out there, well, I can't say any, but when you see dietitians online that are like saying it's okay to eat a bag of chips or something, it's it's so frustrating to see people so against eating a bag of chips, but we are seriously just in the front lines all the time because we see what diet and wellness culture does to people all the time. It is not pretty. It is wildly disordered. It has taken people out of their bodies, out of their own knowing. And it just, it's not the fact that we are promoting consuming unhealthy foods or chips all day, every day, right? It is really understanding the nuance to health and the nuance to honestly nutrition as well. I just want to be clear that the purpose of this is not to say eat whatever whenever and to develop complacency with whatever stage of health you're at. Although, honestly, it's not really on me to should on anyone to improve their health, right? I think the purpose so much more comes down to just appropriate education and giving people the right tools to develop the appropriate motives for behavioral change versus fear-mongering and guilting and shaming people that does not work. Eating between the lines sheds light on the nuance of health and helps people develop skills that best complement adding nutrition into their diet with appropriate motives, not fear-mongering, guilting, or shaming. It is focused on restoring one's relationship with food through untangling and rewiring the physiological and psychological responses that have been so ingrained through the bullshit that we have seen throughout our whole lives. It is helping people get back to their own knowing. It is putting you back in the driver's seat of what you want to do with your health, education on different angles and considerations of what to prioritize and why and give you tools for application and grace in the potentially quite messy process. So that's what this podcast is about. Now let's talk about what the application of eating between the lines looks like. Breaking down a couple considerations with the complexity of health and behavior so we can see why this approach is so important and helpful. 
Let's first talk about the physiological response that we have to food. So food is habitual, cultural, emotional, psychological, and physiological. Like why we do what we do regarding food intake is complex. This is why it is so frustrating and challenging to just like get a meal plan thrown at you or something and be like, go, this is how you are healthy. And that's that. We have layers to all of our behavior. So in terms of physiological responses to food, if you think about, you know, your whole life, I kind of have patients first talk to me about their history with food intake, right? So like if you were part of, um, you know, the clean your plate club when you were growing up, but you also had only access to hyper palatable foods, maybe there were things with resources and situations, even with like family where you were forced or encouraged or only really could consume foods that were a little bit lower in the nutrition realm. And then you ended up consuming a lot of hyperpalatable options. Now, this isn't just, you know, childhood dependent, but we tend to shape our palate over the course of our lives, right? And there can be something so enjoyable about hyperpalatable foods. And if we get really used to consuming hyperpalatable foods, that's high fat, high salt, high sugar foods, we can kind of get used to that response, right? This is a like massive hit in that pleasure response. And it is so enjoyable, right? There's a reason people like hyperpalatable foods. And so we are training our body to only have that stimuli on a regular basis. And that especially can contrast to maybe more quote unquote healthful foods, especially when we are not taught how to make healthful foods be that tasty. It is increasingly unappealing. And so we have this physiological response to food. Maybe we've also used food as a coping mechanism and it has a physiological response in that way too, in addition to a psychological response that we'll get to in a second. But, you know, if there are certain things that you eat that are comforting and that, or maybe remind you of someone or home or have a very like physiological response created that is positive or negative, honestly, that can be a driver and a reiterating motive to consume those foods. So with combining the physiological response and then looking at the psychological response, we can see that these actually overlap a bit too. So with the psychological response to food, This goes into those seeds planted when we're younger, right? Seeds planted and watered through childhood, whether that is, you know, parents and peers dieting, whether it's things that were shown in the media with magazines, uh, with what we should and shouldn't eat, comments about other people's bodies, trying to navigate our way to manipulate our body through intake. Uh, Maybe it is parents telling us we need to go on a diet and maybe it's no one really telling us anything about our food, honestly, too. Like that can be in a different realm. So there can be this relationship developed with food in all sorts of ways. You know, sometimes people have relationships with food that's really neutral. And some people have a lot of depth and complexity to their relationship with food. 
that kind of goes into a lot of those narratives growing up. For example, we are told we shouldn't have the hyperpalatable foods because they will lead to overeating, they're calorically dense, they're not nutritious, etc. This could lead us to put them on a pedestal, right? I remember this happening, getting diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, where I just felt like I could not have sugar ever. And it really ended up feeding a lot of my eating disorder because it it didn't give me any room to enjoy and experience these foods because I was just told I shouldn't and can't have them. And I mean, for anyone that goes through times where they are told that they shouldn't and can't have these foods. And then in contrast, when the foods are so pleasurable, it just leads to a lot of confusion, right? And frustration with your own self and inability to have this willpower and then going through cycles of binging and restricting and yo-yo dieting. It is super frustrating. And Other psychological responses can look like diets that you've tried and things that you've learned through having quote unquote success or not having success, right? So if a person does a ketogenic diet and loses weight, has found it successful, okay, well, what does that teach them about carbohydrates? You know, if someone goes on a carnivore diet and has better digestion, what does that tell them about plants? Now, I'm not here to say keto and carnivore are like inappropriate for absolutely everyone in the world. And I would pose curiosity, you know, when it comes to individuals trying these diets. Is it really the carbohydrates that are the demise to one's health in a ketogenic diet? Is there something else to gauge around health, right? Beyond weight. Is it the carbs or is it the decreased calories that a person is consuming? Is it, you know, the meat being so beneficial in a carnivore diet and the plant foods being so detrimental to digestion? Or is it the fact that you just don't have a healthy gut microbiome to handle some of these plant foods to begin with. And so you're just taking out the aggravators and not actually restoring the health of your gut potentially, right? Again, this is all very general. And I am the first to admit that, you know, nutrition is extremely individualized. I just see this a lot. So we're not addressing the bigger picture of the variables when it comes to diets and why diets sometimes like, I don't know, like quote, quote, work. So we're developing these narratives around diets and what diets have done for us. We are learning these lessons And so that's a psychological response to food. So now you go in and you try to improve your intake, maybe say with a dietitian or say another approach, another program. And then those are all going to be like those programs might teach you other things. But if they aren't considering your psychological response to food and you're not addressing this and you're not learning other angles of appropriate nutrition, You're just going to carry these with you, like always and forever. And so our physiological and psychological responses to food are huge when it comes to behavior and behavioral change. Just these two variables is like wildly layered for folks. Just identifying patterns, thought patterns, and trends around this, you know, backing the track up. I've talked about that a lot before. 
is so important for us to just start creating awareness. And once we can start creating awareness around our psychological and physiological responses, we can start to create appropriate interventions. But a lot of that comes with, you know, having the appropriate professional help as well. And, or, you know, getting the the right resources for you to do the work on your own, which can be done. It's just harder sometimes just not being able to ask yourself the, the right questions. So it is helpful to then kind of develop the skill set to add nutrition in while restoring and combating these narratives. I like to think about this analogy that I've talked about before around the plant that starts to get watered early on in your life. And this might be about, you know, food, it might be about body, it might be about both. And certain certain influences can start to water this plant over the course of your life, right? So say like, okay, you get some someone says something about someone's body and it's positive, and you know your body doesn't look like that when you're younger. And then you see in the media that you're supposed to eat this way to have a body that looks like that. Okay, that's now watering that plant. And now you get exposed over and over and over throughout the course of your life by different things that water that plant. So now this plant is thriving. And as you create awareness on how this is impacting your own relationship with food, you can start to intervene with how that plant is watered. And so that goes into planting other seeds and watering the other seeds that kind of combat those narratives. So it's really important to help water those other plants to kind of combat the wiring, right? And that's how a lot of work is done when we're trying to shift these things that are so ingrained. And this is just, I mean, a part of what it looks like to eat between the lines, but this is why it's so important is because we have this so much wiring. And if we just are always getting bombarded by the shoulds, shoulds, cans, cans, and these extreme measures of like thinking we either have to be totally complacent with not being healthy, or we have to be this like pristine picture of health and like anything in between is, I don't know, lazy or something. We just, it's, it's not going to serve us and we can't figure out how to move forward in an appropriately paced fashion when we are combating these rooted issues. And so, uh, it is, it is so important to, to understand this, you guys. Plus, Okay, we have other variables like gut health and certain influences with hormonal health that can also influence eating patterns. And I think that it's helpful to recognize this too because resolving symptoms here is big. It's big in re-regulating your body. It's big in feeling better in your body. And I don't know what that looks like for everyone. I know that many people are not following foundational applications of health in regards to nutrition and movement and stress management and sleep management because, you know, like lots of things to consider with life and the challenges there. But I also know that people alternatively go to highly restrictive options and that is also not serving them very well. And 
I know that I've seen a lot of GI patients that have benefited from a little restriction and the healing process, but I'm just thinking of all the supplements and programs thrown at people all the time when the foundations have not been checked off for a period of time. I kind of reference it as the appropriate time under one's belt. So I just like to, to mention, I do know and recognize there are other considerations with the state of one's body and that it's not always doable to just dive into healthful eating patterns and that kind of thing based off of my recommendations here. But I do think that it's still helpful to give credit where credit's due, essentially, you know, and and really reflect and see if you are checking off those foundations and have for a consistent period of time while looking at the other pillars of health, right? So other foundations, like just being intentional with your intake and applying principles of mindful eating and or getting back into your body through gentle movement, touching base can also really help kickstart the journey back to yourself. A lot of this is just trying to get back to yourself, right? Trying to get through the weeds of people throwing stuff at you. And it's just really hard. It's it's really hard because we have been so dang wired. So eating between the lines is it's about not letting food rules, shame, and guilt dictate and preoccupy your food and lifestyle choices, right? It's finding a way to live that balances nourishment that is appropriate for you. It's not about complacency and being unhealthy and accepting all of that because you have a better relationship with food. Although, I mean, you can kind of gauge your own prioritization of your own mental health in that regard too, because I know that sometimes that is the more prioritized component of health is just having that better relationship with food. And maybe it's okay to be a little bit more complacent around other parameters of your health. But either way, it's building a better relationship with food that nourishes yourself and letting your body land where it lands. That's kind of the bigger scheme of eating between the lines. So it's important to be able to develop the database of food and meal options that help support your patterns of intake that can then serve more time under your belt in regards to your own habits and then, you know, kind of working on application thereafter. It's also understanding the pillars of health and the influence that they all have on one's overall well-being and taking action with nutrition in a way that complements those other pillars while helping a person feel better in their body. These claims around body positivity and health at every size, supporting unhealthy behavior and pushing people into weights that are correlated with some conditions is just missing the point. And I've kind of talked about that already, but it just, the bigger picture means we know that shaming, scaring, and guilting people into different ways of eating to be a different size or state of health does not work. We also know that not all sizes of bodies directly correlate to being healthy or unhealthy. So how do we take action to support people with these psychological and physiological influences of behavior to improve health overall if they want, right? We are not here to should on people, you know? I think that's another big issue. I also feel like a lot of people don't know how good they can feel and maybe sometimes helping folks get a little taste of that can build traction, And that's a whole other conversation and, you know, layered discussion with 
figuring out how to motivate folks in that regard without getting too like pushy. It's a whole battle, man. I struggle with this a lot as a dietitian and personal trainer. It's like, I just, I want to meet people where they're at all the time. And I also want people to feel as good as they can. And I know that so many people want that too. It just can, can be sometimes a little misguided and, um, and, and again, utilizing motives that are, are just not, not the most effective, I would say. So eating between the lines, it's a way to eat that understands the nuance of health and aims to add nutrition into one's diet with appropriate motives, not fear mongering or guilt, guilting or shaming while restoring one's relationship with food through addressing the layered variables around physiological and psychological wiring. That is eating between the lines. Let me know if y'all have any questions and or recommendations for podcast topics this year, guests. I am looking forward to a year of fun podcasting. So reach out. Happy 2024. And... I'll catch you next time. Thank you so much for listening today. If you found this information valuable, please share this episode and give it a review. They truly help a ton. If you want additional support and information, you can head over to my website, teresemartinezrd.com, where you can snag my free guide on how to improve your hunger signals, get on my email list for regular juicy content, or apply for the next round of my signature program, Restoring Nutrition Intuition. Otherwise, Instagram at Therese Martinez RD or my Facebook group Fed Fit and Fad Free Nutrition with Therese are always places for more content and support. Until next time.